Unfortunately, I have to cut that a little bit short because some of the um, quality assessment people that we have working on the show have said you let it run too long and it's getting boring, which I'd argue is rubbish because it's still a banger. But um, welcome to the uh, For The Dubs podcast. And today we've brought in a, um, a panel of experts um, because some of the dirtiest words in community soccer or sort of the dirtiest letters in community soccer is NPL, which stands for the National Premier League. And there's always questions from parents about, well, should my kid play NPL and what is NPL? And we've really struggled to find anyone who could answer it. So we just um, kind of threw some breadcrumbs on the floor and found someone who was qualified to come and talk. And I'm, I'm playing that down completely. But um, one of my uh, fellow committee members, Steph Green, um, who has children who's played in that um, in that competition and has some very strong thoughts on what it is and what it could be. Um, but Steph actually has some qualifications having been a, a sports administrator, so not just a blow-in and having sort of run a high-performance program with netball, which is the Australian national pastime for females. Um, Steph, welcome. Thank you. And um, I don't really know where to start because it's a very broad topic and it can be contentious and... Yeah, so I thought today the purpose of this little podcast is to really unpack what it is, what it could mean, um, why UWA doesn't have an MPL program, whether we should have an MPL program, and if we did have an MPL program, what would it look like? So um, just to not to read out Steph's complete resume, but Steph has um, taken over the reins of our academy program this year, so um, certainly a believer in high performance, talent identification, those types of things. So I guess... Let's try and at least define what NPL is in Western Australia and what it means and, and how clubs have NPL and some don't. Over to you. Oh, crikey. And it is the most controversial topic we will cover, especially in our club because we don't have a licence. So that is, that's probably the first place to start, right? Um, so the NPL is the National Premier League. It's owned by Football Australia. So administered uh, on behalf of Football Australia by Football West. And there's some very, very good people in Football West that run that program, people with really strong backgrounds in youth development. And I think you know one of them, Gareth Gareth Nevin. He comes out of the Victorian model. Superstar, superstar coach, amazing philosophy on youth development. My my personal view. Oh, hang on, before we get there. So in in the youth program of NPL, because there's the NPL youth program, and then there's the NPL seniors program, and the youth program in Western Australia has got twenty two licenses for the boys game. Um, so they have divisions from under 13s to under 16s and then it moves into the senior program, which is the men's and the women's program. So because I specialise in asking stupid questions, let me throw the first one at you. When you say there's 22 licences, if a club has a licence, mm-hmm. that means, on the, let's talk on the boys' side, mm. so if my club has a licence, that means I can field a 13, 14, 15, 16 boys' MPL team. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and there's rules that govern that license, and there there's compliance requirements on on that license, of which I actually don't know off by heart. So please don't ask me any of those questions, or I possibly could make them up. 
Um, and the girls, uh, for the women's NPL licence, the uh, governance rules are different. So it would be absolutely my view that UWA should be striving for a girls' licence. It, it's probably more attainable for UWA to achieve the girls' NPL licence than it would be for them to achieve the, um, the boys' and the men's licence. Okay, we'll unpack that in a second. Um, so these 22 licences, they were sort of thrown out a couple of years ago. So they're not, it's not something you can get every year, no. right? So there's almost cap now on how many are out there. And the other thing, as someone, particularly on the boys' side of things, I'm an absolute rank learner in this space, but there isn't a massive pool of talent. So as we were talking offline, one of your more eloquent, eloquent and usable expressions, um, it's got a really long tail. So yeah. there's really strong clubs and then there's a group of clubs who probably don't have the talent to compete at that level. So any sense of how those licences were allocated to clubs or what was the process in that? Because that's always been a bit murky as to how clubs got the licences and how would a club who doesn't have one get one? Attain one. Yeah, great question and I don't have the answer to it. Because I haven't come – this is not my sport. Um, none of my children play netball, which is appalling. I think there should be a specific tribunal established to – to uh, interrogate that. Anywho, all three of them have chosen football, seriously. Do you know how many Kiwis play football? Not many. So the influence is definitely not in our house, but I've got three kids playing football. I've got a boy and a girl playing MPL, and the experience on both the boy and the girl version of the game is really interesting. It's really peculiar, but anywho. Um, so I don't know the backstory on how clubs attained those licences, but I can tell you they're capped. And I can tell you that the um, the product offering of MPL is constantly scrutinised. In Australia, MPL is not doing what Football West, sorry, let me say that again, Football Australia wanted it to do. And that's evidenced by, it's, it's a talent pathway for Football Australia. And that's evidenced by... Um, the number of uh, young kids coming through to the senior ranks of uh, particularly the MPL uh, teams and the A-League teams. Um, so they're not filtering through from the youth, um, the youth MPL market up into representing State League and A-League. So the, the notion of MPL was meant to be this elite talent pathway, pathway right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So... Do you have any theories as to why the talent's not flowing through? Because I've got some myself, which is bizarre because I've really ever watched it. But when you look at when you look and read about <clears throat> young people specialising at sport, which MPL kind of is, where you're really at a young age deciding I'm going to try and play elite level soccer or football. But a lot of the research suggests that young athletes who specialise early tend to burn out and drop out of the sport. So not going to sit here and say that's the reason why talent may not be flowing through. But, you know, you hear stories of boys playing under-13 football who got five minutes of pitch time because they, you know, they might have been the 11th or 12th best player on the squad, so therefore they play less. It's surely not a carrot to bring that kid back every week. It's not a motivator. Now, you, you might argue, we'll be better. But, you know, like you get better by playing. So yeah. um, it's this sort of conundrum that you want to develop elite athletes, but... Is this the best way to do it? And it would be interesting to 
kind of get Football West and, and Football Australia's view on whether it is or not because obviously not working to the level they thought it would. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And, and I think the change – so there has been changes. Football West have introduced changes to the conference program this year. Uh, that is new from last year, and I suspect that's to address this massive tail. So there's six. I'll probably get shot for this next point, Stu. I argue on my enormously developed opinion about football in Perth from a netball background, there's probably six awesome clubs. And, and when I say awesome, I don't mean um, that's not an indictment on every other club. What I'm talking about is the, the quality of their players that are playing in the NPL. There's six super strong clubs. And, and then there's the group. Uh, and I'll get, um, I, so, like I said, controversial conversation for this podcast. Um, I suspect what Football West have done this year is they've shortened the round robin, round robin program uh, than they had last year. So now these clubs are only playing. There's, I think, there's um, three conferences. Uh, and they're only playing, they're doing a round robin within seven rounds and then they move into uh, smaller conferences and that's when it starts to get chunky, the conversation starts to get chunky. But I, I, my personal view coming from, from a game that was very well developed, had um, um, great depth in terms of its development program, especially for, especially for young girls, especially for girls who hit puberty early and end up being, you know, six, six foot tall at 13 years old. Um, Nepal has very good development programs. Um, I think that the thing that is missing is I really question why you have 13 and 14-year-olds in a talent pathway, but, you know, what do I know? Well, one of the interesting things that... I'd heard in my travels is, you know, you're another 13 or 14 team where a team gets announced late in the week. So you've got a 13 or 14 year old boy going, I haven't made the team. Like that's kind of unheard of it. It's sport, junior sport where I might not make the squad. Um, like the, and the stress that comes with that. And, yeah. you know, you, we're not running the Manchester United junior development Academy here. And you think, do you want your kids going through that type of stuff? I hope I make the squad. It's a club squad. It's yeah. not like it's a state team or a national team. And that that's just so different to what you're used to seeing in junior sports. So I, I how do you know, in your experience, how do clubs tackle that sort of thing? Or well, they don't care. Like, this is the team, this is the process, this is how it works. If you don't like it, don't be in the team. Is it is that where they've gone with it? Yeah, the the I've found in both my kids' experience in NPL is super cutthroat. Mm. Um, and based on my background, I mean, I, I, um, my career was driven around being a CEO of netball. It was my sport. I, I played netball. My ambition was far greater than my ability, sadly. All I wanted to be was be an elite athlete. Um, and then when I sat in the chief executive's role, we had 30,000 registered members, and our elite program was less than 1% of our 30,000 30, registered members. So we as a, um, with the board, my board back then, we had an annual program of reviewing our um, duty of care to our membership. So if our elite program was 1% of our members, was that an appropriate um, focus in terms of our stewardship of the game? And I actually think that's a really important that's a really important element of anybody who's in charge of, of, a, of a membership, whether it's 
the UWA club where we're all volunteers running the club or whether it's an elite franchise mm. is um, what is your what is your custodian of your effort on your membership but I think the 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 opportunity for UW we don't have a license so it's actually a moot point and but there are some really strong elements a that we've got to provide for all of our for all of our affiliated members and that is the opportunity to play it's our job as committee members to have the best coaches. Um, so that's got to remain a focus for us, that we support, we continue to develop, we educate our coaches so that the kids that come along have the best experience they can have. Um, and that has to be equitable across every affiliated member within the club, so yay. But we've also got to provide the opportunity, in my view, for those kids that, that want to be amazing whatever amazing is in their minds for them to achieve and for them to dream and my my criticism about my kids experience in MPL is because it's so cutthroat does it diminish their ability to dream does it diminish their ability to be creative to be aggressive on the pitch to take risks to present opportunities to score that elusive goal or does it stifle them? Does it does it intimidate them to? Oh my God! If I don't do really well today, I'm going to get cut from the from from the list, or I'm I'm going to get benched if I make a mistake. I'm going to get pulled and benched. And so, what 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 are what is our role as club administrators in terms of the experience and the offering we're giving our kids? So, how does I'm just asking completely base level questions here though but how does it difference from differ from the academy programs we offer because you have to try out and you have to make those academy programs so what how's it different uh, i think the the uwa academy mm. program because again um probably something i've had to get used to uh, on on being involved in football as a code is i i i refer to it as being a private sport um, which has taken me a long time to come to peace with. You know, you pay to do academy programs and you pay, you pay for additional coaching and coaches have professional careers in football and that's not mm. a thing in netball. So I've had to come to peace with that. The, I think what the academy program is doing in UW is that it's offering both pathways. So the kids that just want to, and we had a, we had a group this year which just made me just beam with pride. There was a group of kids, I think it was six buddies from, from school, who all registered together. I think they actually came with their own coach and one of the mums already identified that she'd be team manager and it was just a group of kids who actually just wanted to play football together. You beauty. Mm. So there, there's a fit for them within the club. But I think offering an academy and a development pathway is an opportunity for the kids that are, are that are actually a little bit more serious with their football. They want to make a commitment to the coach, to themselves, to their team, that they're going to come to two sessions two sessions a week. And and I think it's a commitment to um, being a little bit more serious. But it's, it's sort of, as Lawrence touched on last week, it's, yeah, there's an academy program and you do have to try out for it and you have to make those commitments, but we have a structure where up until for the girls' side of things, till they hit the 14s, we will rotate them through positions. We will give them experience everywhere. They will take equal amounts of time off the pitch. And, yes, we are trying to d develop elite athletes, but there is a framework to doing that and we're not going to have 
players play in positions solely because that's what they're great at. They're going to play everywhere. So I think that probably gives us more flexibility to develop athletes without, um, I guess, the pressure on the kids in the academy is you have to show up twice a week and you have to be committed to it and you sign a contract and all that type of stuff. So I think that's, um, yeah, there's some looser parameters and you don't have to win every week, although it's nice to do so. Um, The thing that I just jotted down is, what is the implication for UWA not having one? And I think you mentioned it talking about your son. There's an ego piece like, oh, I play NBL. It's the highest level. I'm the, you know, I'm one of the guys. But when we both or when I joined the committee, there was a lot of, well, we don't have an NBL team, so therefore we lose players. And it was mostly boys going off to find that NPL opportunity. What is the implication for us as a club not having an NPL licence? I, the the absolute simple one is that we can't for those for those kids or parents for those kids that are completely aspirational on MPL we can't deliver that to them mm. um, and and that it, that it is what it is and and to be frank even if we wanted to right now we couldn't do it because we're, there's no means to access a licence. I don't think that UWA would actually meet the criteria um, for lots of different reasons. So it's actually a moot point. Mm. I, I think that if a kid if a kid were a parent, um, sometimes it's the parent that's driving this, um, if, if they have real aspirations for NPL, they've actually got to go somewhere else. I'd, I'd want to counter-argument that one around, um, you know, we, we've got a view that the grass is greener over there. Over in that club that offers the MPL licence, you know, wow, that must be an amazing club. The, I would counter the view about the parent or the child looking for that MPL experience with what UWA will offer, especially in the academy program, is we'll offer a program that provides the kids the opportunity to grow. And I love, I love Lawrence's coaching model and his education program, et cetera, et cetera. I, I love what his coaching philosophy and curriculum cur- curriculum is. The the um, the growth and the development of talent is an elongated process. Um, it's driven around the kid's cognitive ability to actually pick up the technical skills. It's it's pitched around um, puberty development of of. The, the kid as they come through the youth pathway um, and it'll all, always be staggered because of those things. It'll always be staggered in terms of growth and development. A kid will come on the p- pitch one, uh, um, you know, the beginning of the season and they'll be rubbish and by the end of the season they would have blossomed and turned into something amazing and, and everybody is sitting around going, oh, my God, how fast did Johnny get? You know, what? how come Johnny is so fast at them, you know? The, the program that I hope UWA can counter their argument around is we will create a long-term environment for the development of our young people. And and it's more than... Well, there's getting, an, I think that was sort of our aspirational goal. There's a pathway for everyone. Yeah. If you just want to play with your mates, cool. If you want to get really, really good, cool. We can, we can help you on both of those um, sides of the ball. And... You know, one of the things we talked about is, well, if, if you're really, really, really good and you want to chase a dream, we'll say goodbye to you and let you go, but we'll always welcome you back because it doesn't work out for everyone or, you know, at some stage you want to come back to where you started. And I think that's the cool thing that I've seen is there is an opportunity for everyone. And um, uh, and I think 
the other thing that is it's just obvious with kids everyone develops at a different speed so why not why should a 13 year old kid go oh, i'm never gonna make it like to, who knows what happens in two years you know and i think that's the bit that's pretty interesting you don't want them to get disheartened you want them to stick around and stay through the club and all those types of things one of the things that was interesting you touched on before you seem to have a different view about female mpl side of things in in that perhaps that's something you do because there are there's talk of more licenses becoming available on the female side of things would it be a good thing for uwa to have a female mpl license I, I would um, – that's where I'd be driving my interest. Um, and what is the reason for that? Uh, I think it's more attainable, to, mm. be, to be truthful. I think the you know, there's 22 licences that are currently sitting out there for the boys' game. And bearing in mind that when I say boys, the 13 to 16-year-old girls can compete for those positions, but they're in a mixed team, right? So um, I, I use that word it, – it's a boys' Uh, tournament because 99% of of the participants are boys, but girls can aspire to be uh, uh, to gain one of those positions, right? But um, it is definitely within UWA's ability once they're available um, to aspire for a NPL women's license for sure. And I think the work that we're currently doing actually sets ourselves up uh, for that. We have a really strong state league. Uh, program it has good stewardship in terms of coaching and and the development of that cohort um, with the growth that we've currently got we've got two teams uh, two uh, girls team in each uh, in each of the girls age groups I, I think the opportunity for us is to grow and develop that so that it becomes a um, a seamless progression into MPL status I'd still caution. The, there's nothing wrong with being a state league club mm. and, and there's nothing wrong with the state league competition. Um, but I, I think that if, if we are looking for that that high-level step, I think that achieving an NPL women's licence is definitely attainable for us. So from a completely subjective viewpoint, have is the coaching better under the NPL? Now, we're a little bit spoiled in that we've got a strong technical director and our kids in UWA have had fantastic coaching and from what we can see we've really made an effort to have good coaches at every level but in your experience is is there a noticeable difference in the quality of coaching that you've that you've seen now this is also it's club specific as well but yeah. is it a is it a massive jump up that hey we're an impel team so the impel coach is way better no not at all it's completely subjective and and it's transient Mm. Um, that's the other thing that I find peculiar about the sport. It's um, coaches are traded. Um, there, there isn't loyalty. Well, I'm speaking very generally, mm. right? That's what I've seen. But um, again, in my lad's experience, he had a phenomenal coach um, in in one of his outings in MPL, and um, had a terrible coach the year after. Um, so. Um, it, it's it's a mixed bag, but there's definitely amazing coaches across those uh, 22 licensed clubs for sure. But does that mean that you're going to get the best coach at an NPL co- uh, club as opposed to somebody without the license? Um, um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm not sure. I I would agree with that. I think that's the bit that. <clears throat> It's the, just the transient nature. The coaches are never paid enough to stay in one place. So, you know, you you, you may catch lightning in a bottle one year or a couple of years in a row if a coach sticks around, but 
yeah, you really at the whim of their career and where they're going and what they're doing and, and those types of things. So so I'm not 100% sure we've solved this MPL problem, but it was good to dive into what it is because it's banded around, particularly in junior sport, um, a lot. And, and yeah. when we first, when I first got involved in the committee, it was like, oh, this is detrimental to the club because we don't have it. And, you know, I think we've been dealt a pretty good hand and we have a pretty good offering and if it sort of pops up, we should be ready for it when it happens. Um, with five or so m- more minutes left on the clock, I guess one of the other things just wanted to talk about because it's coming up this weekend is our girls' invitational tournament. Um, it's a new initiative. There's a really cool tournament at the end of the year in Bunbury. We kind of participated in that and thought, why wouldn't you do one at the start of the season? Kind of lost a little bit of our shock and awe because football has started the season a week before sorry, two weeks before it was scheduled to start. but So it's a pre-season invitational tournament that starts after the season starts. Um, I'll, I'll ask you the question, what's what's good about hosting something like this and being known for having these types of things happen at our club? I, I think, again, going back to my old days and working in youth development, that's my passion. The kids have got to play. And, and I would argue, I think the football season's really long, an 18-week football season. I think it's a long season. I also think that there's, there's room for a summer competition, a, a short, sharp, shiny summer competition. So for me, the, the, it's our first step. It's the, inaugural, um, it's the inaugural competition. At the moment, it's just one day. Um, I hope it's super successful. I hope everybody that comes, that that I think the girls are going to end up playing about five games, depending on how they uh, how they progress through to finals. So there'll be a lot of football, and that's the value of it. The kids they're going to have um, great opportunities to bond as a group. Another great uh, uh, market for the timing of it. Um, they'll cement in their relationships as a team. It'll be a super fun, festive vibe, but most of all the girls are going to play a whole day's worth of football. And I think that's what, um, that's what we need to provide, is those opportunities to get as much pitch time as possible. So we have uh, an under-16 group, an under-14 group, an under-12 group. We couldn't get the under-10 group up and running, so we have at least 24-ish teams from all over the metro area playing, um, sort of estimate about 500 players, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, obviously COVID dented it with teams going into <laughs> lockdown and isolation, those types of things. But the the notion of having something that's ours every year that kind of signals the season is kicking off is, I thought that was a pretty cool idea and I'm surprised that no one's really done it before. But you're right, it could be a, you know, it could be boys one day, girls the, the next. It could, yep. There's a lot of upside there to expose um, other clubs to what we can offer. Obviously, we try and keep them out of our club rooms but um, and the potholes in the car park. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's sort of, it was strange to me that there wasn't anything like this out there considering that, you know, the season's quite long and there's a lot of hype and there's more and more kids playing it. So I think, um, yeah, the opportunity to showcase our facility, the playing surface is second to none, um, but just also putting on a good show for people is is a big deal. So, um, yeah, if you're, if you're listening, if you're one of the many thousands of people listening to this podcast and you didn't know about it, um, it'd be really great to get as many supporters as we can there to cheer the girls on and all of our teams in each of those age divisions are pretty competitive, so... You know, they should give it a nudge and, and, and do pretty well. Um, 
So, yeah, Steph, thank you very much for kind of trying to unpack a topic that is hard to unpack. And um, I'm sure someone will chime in and say, well, hang on, there's more to it than that. But, um, yeah, if we could find a subject matter expert, we certainly will give them some airtime because it is very much a um, – it's a hot topic and it certainly gets parents' juices pumping. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah.